Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to a podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome we. in, everybody. Episode 308 of the podcast of the Super America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, October 20th, 2020, people. I hope everybody is having a great week so far. And as we do every Tuesday, it is our Tuesday HodgePodge show. Why is it the HodgePodge? Because as I've told you since August when I implemented this show, I, I just think that during the, 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 especially during the football season, these shows get a little too formulaic over the course of the calendar year. On Monday, we're recapping a bunch of stuff. On Thursday, we're previewing a bunch of stuff. And so on this Tuesday show, we get to hit on a lot of stuff that I normally wouldn't get to hit on. And tonight, we certainly have that for you because I'm going to ask you one simple question. As I record here on a Monday night, right as the Bills Chiefs go final, right as we get set for Cowboys Cardinals, I'm going to ask you one simple question. You may have never thought of it before. Why don't we get two Monday night games every week? We're going to discuss that because I think it's the most important pressing topic in America right now. Okay, yes, I'm being a little hyperbolic and exaggerative, but you get the point. I think it's an interesting conversation I haven't heard anyone else talk about, but I do think it's going to be a topic going forward with the success of multiple Monday night football games this, this, uh, this calendar year. We will then transition to, are you ready for this, people? Big Ten football is back this week. It felt like at one point it was never going to happen. When they officially announced October 23rd, it felt like that was a lifetime away. Yet here we are, Illinois-Wisconsin Friday night, and a loaded Big Ten schedule on on a Saturday. And so what I'll do is I will just kind of give you a quick rundown and a quick recap of what happened in the Big Ten last year, because I just feel like I'll be honest. I feel like it it was a lifetime ago since we saw most of these teams. And I will let you know what happened last year, which you may have forgotten very briefly, what you need to know about these teams going forward. Finally, we will recap with uh, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong where I talk about all the things that I got right and wrong over the last couple weeks. A Tuesday staple. America loves it, people. All right, before we get started, I want to remind you, please make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, the Podcast Addict app is the way to go. Also, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. 
Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars like Mac S15. Just dropped a new five-star review on the iTunes page. So thank you to Mac S15 who says, best information out there. AT talks in the third person a lot and can get a little annoying from time to time, but dude knows his stuff regardless of sport. Mac S, thank you so much. And if it makes you feel any better, my wife says the same thing. I'm very annoying. I talk too much in the third person. I don't actually talk in the third person at the house, but she does find me annoying, so you're not alone. But I am glad you enjoy the show. We'll work on the third person stuff. I think I've already referred to myself in the third person like three times in this episode. Independent of that, thank you for the review. Please make sure everybody else listening if you can, to rate and review the show. It actually really does help us move up the iTunes charts. And finally, make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron Torres Pod on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. And I told you about this YouTube page, people. The, the YouTube page is blowing up. We've like doubled our subscribers here in the last week, up to close to 600 subscribers. We're shooting for 1,000. Can we do it? Can we make it happen? Find the Aaron Torres podcast or Aaron Torres on YouTube. Go ahead, subscribe there for a lot of the content that you get here and some additional content that you don't get anywhere else. And with that said, people, there is no more time to waste. Let's get into it. Great show today, Tuesday show. And as I just said a minute ago, I am recording here late Tuesday evening about 7.30 or so Eastern time as the Chiefs are playing the Buffalo Bills. And as I watch this game, and as I finish this podcast, and as I get ready to watch the Cowboys and Cardinals later this evening, I think back to something that I have been arguing for years. Every uh, NFL season, every year, we get that opening week Monday night doubleheader. Not going to lie, late game usually sucks. It usually involves the Raiders. It's two in the morning. They were playing in that baseball field up until this year. But it was always fun. You get the second Monday night game, and I have been arguing for years. Why do we not get two Monday night games every single week? And now I am officially on that pedestal, and I'm willing to die on this hill, as this is the second time in three weeks that because of COVID, we have ended up with two Monday night games. Obviously, a couple weeks ago, we had the uh, Patriots playing the Chiefs in KC. We had the Packers hosting the Falcons, and it was great. And so as we get a second weekend, second time in three weeks of back-to-back NFL Monday night games, I'm just going to ask you point blank, why can't we do it every week? And so the reason why, let's get into it, because there's a million reasons why people say it can't happen, and I don't buy any of them, okay? So first of all, the first reason is, well, you know, you got to start with, uh, I, I think to even fully understand this, I think we need to look at the bigger, broader picture of what the NFL is. The NFL is one of the great revenue-producing machines in the history, I'm not even kidding, of American society. I have never seen anything be better at monetizing everything than the NFL. Think about it. The NFL has figured out a way to monetize breast cancer awareness. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being serious. They sell pink, pink jerseys, pink gloves, pink cleats, to raise money for breast cancer awareness. This is a league that has turned the NFL draft into this weird thing that we used to watch on Saturday to a four, three, four night spectacle that was supposed to be in Vegas this past year, that's been in Nashville, that's been all over the country. It is one of the great nights in sports that first Thursday night of the NFL draft. Oh, by the way, 
NFL Combine used to be a thing. Guys just showed up, ran around in their underwear, did some bench presses. Now, the NFL Combine's on for like six straight days and we all watch it. And so the NFL throughout my lifetime has turned into this great revenue money-making machine. Yet the one place that they refuse to budge is on the actual most uh, 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 revenue-producing thing that they have, which is their actual games. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is the NFL, for some reason, as we have expanded Major League Baseball playoffs this year, as we traditionally have college football morning, noon, and night on Saturday, Wednesday night college football, Thursday night college football, Friday night college football, the NFL is essentially the only sport that has not given us more of their sport over the last couple years. Now, they did add the Thursday night game, but they still, in what is a truly just mind-boggling thing to me that I do not understand, they still insist on putting like 70% of their games on at the same time, which is at 1 p.m. Eastern every single Sunday. And it's crazy to me that unless you get the dish, unless you're at a bar, unless you want to watch Red Zone all day and miss 90% of what's going on, you can't watch the game that you want to watch. It seems crazy. It seems preposterous. It makes no sense to me. And it goes really kind of counter to, one, everything the NFL is about, which is, again, maximizing their product. And then, two, on top of that, it goes against everything that's going on in our society right now. We live in a split-screen society. I'm guessing right now as you listen to me yell and scream about Monday Night Football, you're texting your friends, you're answering emails from work, you're walking your dog, you're talking to your girlfriend or wife or boyfriend or husband, you're watching a YouTube tutorial on how to fix whatever. Like, this is the world that we live in, yet the NFL has said, nope, you get one game at 1 p.m., and there's seven that you can't watch, and there's nothing that we're going to do about it. And so I've never understood it, and I've never understood why, I don't know, instead of playing like 10 games at 1 p.m. Eastern, why don't we play nine and then have an early and late Monday night game? And so when I think about all the reasons that I've heard, none of them make sense. And I think sometimes in life, right, like there are things, and we talk about this on this show all the time, there are things in life that happen that I do not like, but I understand why it happens the way that it happens. I've used this example a million times. I hated it when the NCAA tournament was canceled this past year, okay? But it was the right decision. There was a reason that it happened. It happened because there was a pandemic that nobody understood or could wrap their arms around at that exact moment. By no means am I comparing a pandemic to an extra Monday night football game, but the point I'm trying to make is that sometimes in life, even if I don't agree with something, I understand why it's happening, I mentioned it last week, the one-time transfer rule. I don't like it. I understand why it's happening. There are a lot of things in life that I understand why they happen the way they happen, but the two Monday night football games is something that I, I, I don't understand, and I still have yet to hear a good reason as to why it cannot happen, okay? So think about it. What are the reasons that you get told that it can't happen? Well, first of all, it's that, oh, well, the TV partners would be furious. No, they wouldn't. Are you kidding me? Fox is broadcasting a Tuesday game at 5 p.m. Eastern that I guarantee is obliterating everything that they could possibly show at this time. Sorry, Judge Judy. Sorry, local news. 
Pretty sure we want to watch Patrick Mahomes against Josh Allen much more than we want to watch uh, Judge Judy just throw the book at somebody for the hundredth time today, okay? Like, hate to say it. I know Judy, Judge Judy's really popular. She makes like $80 million a year. But I'm telling you, the TV companies wouldn't be upset, especially relative to the fact that two things. One, the NFL is their most marketable product. A lot of people say this, but it's true. The NFL is the number one rated TV show on five different networks, CBS, NBC, Fox, ESPN, NFL Network. Number one rated TV show on all five networks is the NFL. So you can't tell me it's about ratings because if you're CBS or Fox, would you rather have one less game in that 1 p.m. window and one standalone game on Monday? Because I think you would. Now, a lot of people will say, well, it's so unfair to the people on the East Coast. You can't have people staying up all night. It's not fair. And what I would say is, first of all, I get it. I used to live on the East Coast. Um, but I would also say, I don't think we have to necessarily play the second game super late. It doesn't have to be a 10 o'clock or 1030 Eastern time start. Not saying that two or three times a year, it couldn't be, but it's not as though even if we did start it late, that people don't deal with crazy TV schedules all the time, right? I live on the West coast. Every East coast basketball game starts at four o'clock where I live every single day from November to May. College football starts at 9 a.m. College uh, basketball starts at 9 a.m. The NFL starts at 10 a.m. So it's not as though we don't deal with crazy TV schedules to begin with. But then on top of that, I would just say this. It also doesn't have to be a late night game. Why can't we do what we just did yesterday, Monday, play the Bills and the Chiefs at 5 p.m. Eastern time, 5.30 Eastern time, whatever, 6 o'clock, and then play the second game at 8.30 or 9 we already kicked the late one off. We already kicked the standard Monday night game off at 8.15 Eastern anyway, 8.20 Eastern anyway on the Sunday night football game. So we'll just play this one at 5. We'll play this one at 5.30. Maybe it'll overlap for a half hour. Maybe it'll kick off at 9 instead of 8.30. You're still in bed by 12. Half these games stink. You don't have to stay up till the final whistle every single week. But this idea that it would be so unfair to the East Coast, well, first of all, you know how many basketball games I got to watch at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday? If I got to watch one more damn uh, Duke Wake Forest game on a Tuesday at 4 o'clock, I'll, I'll lose my mind. But I also don't think we have to start the late game late. Keep the schedule as it is. Just play one earlier. Why can't it happen? Again, the alternative is that we get 11 games at 1 p.m. Eastern. Sorry, would rather have two on Monday. Last thing. Everyone says, oh, you know, it's so unfair to the fans. Uh, what are they going to do? They'll have to call. How are you going to get fans in the stands for a 6 o'clock kickoff? Well, first of all, we get Thursday night football on the West Coast sometimes, and we manage to get people in those stadiums, manage to get people in Denver and Arizona and San Francisco and L.A., manage to get fans in the stands for a 5 o'clock Pac-12 kickoff on a Thursday or a Friday. And oh, by the way, it'd be one night a year. It'd be one Monday where you got to leave work and take a half a day. How many people are going to be upset about that? If you're a Steelers season ticket holder and you work in the steel mill or you do construction or you work in an office, you mean to tell me one random Monday in October you can't take off at noon and go to a game? Because it's a 6 o'clock kickoff? Why not? We do it for everything else. So to me, I've just, I, I just don't understand this idea and I just think it makes the NFL product so much better. And it goes back to what I have said from the beginning. 
With college football, we get more college football in more time slots in more times all the time. We play Wednesday night games now. We play Thursday night games sometimes that go head-to-head with college, uh, with the NFL. We get Friday night games. A lot of times we get Friday night doubleheaders with BYU playing on the West Coast, the Pac-12 playing on the West Coast, whatever. And then Saturday we get from noon until after midnight with the Hawaii game kicking off at 2 a.m. And so to me, I just don't understand why we have to have 11 games at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday Well, we can't just flex one of them out onto Monday, get a doubleheader Monday night, have a good time, end the weekend in style with back-to-back Monday night games. And I'll tell you this, I could see a future where this happens because the one thing about this pandemic, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I understand there's a lot of bad, awful things that have happened as part of this pandemic. But what I would also say is that when it comes to this pandemic, it has forced us to move forward and evolve in sports. And a lot of the things that we didn't like are kind of gone anyway. And some of the things that worked ended up staying, right? So like when I look at this pandemic, think about it. We used to have to play four preseason NFL games. Now now we're probably never going to play a preseason game again. The NFL hates it. The players hate it. The coaches hate it. The owners, I guess, in theory, make money off of it. So maybe we will have preseason games. But there's a possibility we never have a preseason game again because of this pandemic. Um, you know, college football, you start a little bit later. We don't need six weeks of fall camp. We don't need kids on, like, like there are things that are happening all the time. And then there's the reverse, which is stuff that maybe we didn't even know that we wanted. We've gotten, and we're like, this is awesome. Expanding Major League Baseball playoffs was awesome. NBA bubble, we're not going to see it again, but maybe we get some earlier games in the day. That's awesome. It's fun. Everybody likes it. Who knows, maybe we get some earlier tip-offs in the NBA as opposed to the late tip-offs that we've been traditionally getting. But I could see the scenario where we get two Monday night games going forward more often than just once a year. Again, this is a hill that I am willing to die on. I just do not get this idea that we Monday night is the sacred time that we can only play an 8-20 kickoff and we can't have a 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock kickoff and maybe move that second game back. I do hope that as time goes on, we realize how awesome this is because this is now the second Monday in three Mondays that we've had two, MNF, two MNF games. And my guess is with the way these COVID positive tests are coming, it won't be the last time. I'll be curious to see if two or three years down the road, we end up with more Monday night games. Uh, and if it happens, you can tell everybody, you heard it first on the Aaron Torres podcast. All right, really quickly, I do want to transition to <laughs> our boys in the Big Ten. By the way, I would say these Tuesday shows have been running a little shorter than the traditional Monday-Friday show, Monday-Thursday show, and I think this is one. This will be a pretty quick show, quick in-and-out show, but hopefully it does get you through the middle of the week. Again, I hope everybody is having a great week. Uh, and the one thing that's really cool about this week, I'll tell you this, is that... <laughs> Um, we get Big Ten football back. I should mention, we also get Mountain West football back. We're actually going to have some late-night kickoffs this coming weekend, 10.30 Eastern. You're at the bar. Guess what? You get a little San Jose State in your life and San Diego State in your life this weekend thanks to the Mountain West. But the big story is that the, the Big Ten returns this week. And it's crazy because it felt like I spent all August, and I did, 
yelling and screaming about how bad the decision was. I spent all September, early September, yelling and screaming about how bad the decision was. We hear the Big Ten say they're going to cancel. We hear them say that they will never reconsider coming back. And yet here we are. They announce they're coming back. They announce October 23rd. And even then, it felt like this lifetime away. Like, how are we going to get to October 23rd? Only here we are. And the Big Ten is officially back. First game, circle the calendars. Wake up the kids. Illinois, Wisconsin, Friday night. (laughs) Not going to lie. I don't think a lot of people will be rescheduling their Friday nights for Illinois, Wisconsin. But it is cool to have the Big Ten back. And so what I want to do over the next few minutes on this show is really just kind of just get you kind of caught up with what happened in the Big Ten last year. I know that we don't have a lot of diehard Wisconsin fans or Iowa fans or Minnesota fans who listen to this show, but I do just kind of feel like it's been a really long time since we saw these teams play. I mean, Minnesota, Michigan, Penn State played on New Year's Day, but Ohio State hasn't played in 2020. It's already the end of October. It's October 20th. So what I want to do is I want to go through most of the teams. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. Just to remind you what happened last year and what you need to know for this year. And so obviously, uh, without uh, a doubt, uh, we need to start with the Ohio State Buckeyes. And last year was incredible. Remember, it was Ryan Day's first year taking over for Urban Meyer. We were all questioning, how's this going to work out? What's it going to look like? Is this guy ready to be a head coach? Well, he certainly was, as Ohio State went 13-0 in the regular season, in large part because they had a quarterback named Justin Fields who transferred from Georgia. Georgia, uh, Justin Fields was awesome. He was fantastic. He was the X factor for a really good team that made them great, finishing with 41 total touchdowns last season in an unbelievable season. Ohio State essentially was not challenged the entire regular season. It was incredible how dominant they were. You could argue one of the most dominant Big Ten teams ever. Went back and looked it up. They did not have a single game in which they lost by fewer than nine points through the college football playoff. They lost, they beat Penn State, or excuse me, they didn't win, I should, let me start over. They didn't win any game by less than nine points throughout the regular season. They beat Penn State by nine at home, crushed Wisconsin when Wisconsin was playing well, crushed Michigan, obviously, when Michigan was playing really well. And the big story with Ohio State was they got to the college football playoff and they had a game against Clemson under control. For everybody who doesn't remember the details, they get up 10-0 early. They unfortunately really had to settle for a bunch of field goals that could have been touchdowns. Clemson slowly comes back. They have a few controversial calls late in the second half that go against them. Sean Wade, star cornerback, gets ejected for targeting. Um, There was a controversial strip and score. Essentially, Ohio State stripped the ball from a Clemson receiver. It was eventually ruled not a catch. That would have been a touchdown. That would have given Ohio State the lead. Instead, it didn't happen, and Clemson ends up winning. I bring all this up to say this is why Ohio State was fighting for a college football season this year, because they knew that they had a team good enough to win the national championship this year with Justin Fields, with all their stars at the skill positions, with Sean Wade on defense. And so they're going to be a fascinating team. They are the overwhelming favorite. And as I said on Monday's show, 
they should they should not only make the college football playoff, but they might be realistically the only team that can challenge Alabama or Clemson at the top of the sport. It certainly looks that way after Notre Dame struggled this weekend, after Georgia lost this weekend. And so it's good to have Ohio State back not a moment too soon because we need somebody to challenge Clemson and Ohio State or Clemson and Alabama for the national championship. Moving on to Michigan. <laughs> uh, Jim Harbaugh did some Jim Harbaugh stuff. Now, I will say in his defense, he went out, hired kind of a new age offensive coordinator. If you remember last year, they got a kid named Josh Gaddis from Alabama. He was Alabama's quarterbacks coach, I believe, comes to Michigan, becomes the play caller, and they're going to revolutionize their offense. Didn't work out well early. Michigan struggles on offense, barely beats Army, barely beats Iowa, gets crushed by Wisconsin, and you just feel like, oh my God, this team is terrible. To their credit, they did lose to Penn State, but kind of turned the corner late in that game. They lost by a touchdown at Penn State. What ends up happening in that game is they start to figure out the offense. The next week, they go to Notre Dame and smack Notre Dame around beat Notre Dame, and they get rolling. They win four going into the Ohio State game. And unfortunately, they did what Jim Harbaugh does way too often in big games. They lost to Ohio State. Then they go to the bowl game. They play Alabama, who, of course, was not part of the playoff last year. Lose to Alabama. Season ends, and it'll be interesting because their starting quarterback, Shea Patterson, is gone. Joe Milton is the new starter there. They lost a bunch of talent off the offensive line, including a couple first-round draft picks. A couple wide receivers are gone. So it's year two of this offense, but will it be any better? And will Harbaugh do anything to get people off of his back? Because I just feel like, look... This is who Michigan is right now. They are not on the level of Ohio State. I see no reason to believe that they will get there. And the question becomes, are Michigan fans going to be okay with this? Is he going to go back to the NFL? Because the gap between him and Ohio State, between Michigan and Ohio State, is widening, not shrinking. Third team everybody always going to talk about in the Big Ten is Penn State. And I got to ask you, like, does anyone win more and get less acclaim than James Franklin? Here are Penn State's last four seasons under James Franklin. They went 11-3 in 2016. They went 11-2 in 2017. They go 9-4 in 2018 and 11-2 last season, capped by beating Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. And of course, as I referenced a minute ago, they beat Michigan in the regular season and they they were the team that played Ohio State the toughest straight into the playoff when Ohio State lost to Clemson. I do understand. Penn State has never made the playoff. They won the Big Ten in 2016, but Ohio State got into the playoff over them. And so I get it. Penn State has never been on that big stage, so James Franklin doesn't get the credit that he deserves. I just feel like this program is rolling and nobody talks about it. They will be good again. I do question if they will be somewhat limited on offense. Their quarterback, Sean Clifford, is good but hardly great he's definitely not Justin Fields and they did lose their best defensive player a kid by the name of Micah Parsons who opted out of the season and was one of the few guys who did not opt back in uh speaking of opt-outs and opt-ins how about your boy PJ Fleck at Minnesota okay this is the great story that you probably forgot happened last year Minnesota Minnesota won 11 games including, by the way, they did beat Penn State. 
They have a quarterback named Tanner Morgan, originally from Kentucky. Really good story how he ended up at Minnesota. Probably the second best quarterback in the Big Ten last year behind Justin Fields. They have a kid named Rashad Bateman, a future star in the NFL. He opts out of the season this past few weeks. Then he decides to opt back in once uh, we find out that there is going to be a college football season. And I'll just tell you, there's real excitement in Minnesota uh, you talk about a team that won 11 games. It was just the – how about this first stat? Throw this around at your next cocktail party. Minnesota last year won 10 games. It was the second time since 1905. 1905. You can look it up. I know you don't believe me. Look it up. 1905, the last time Minnesota made uh, won 10 games – well, I take that back. They have won 10 games twice since 1905, once in the early 2000s, once last year, and they should be really good again this weekend. We will talk about Minnesota-Michigan this coming episode because uh, they play this opening weekend, and that should be a really fun game. Staying in the Big Ten West, Wisconsin, kind of a crazy season. They start off 6-0. and They have four shutouts in their first six games, and we're talking about them as one, maybe the best defense in college football. Then they have this weird loss to Illinois. They lose to Ohio State, and they kind of go back to being Wisconsin. To their credit, they did beat Michigan convincingly. They did beat Minnesota. They did win the Big Ten West and go to the college, uh, the Big Ten Championship game. They lost to Ohio State, and they lost to Oregon in the Rose Bowl. Kind of wrapping up on the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, first of all, Nebraska, okay? I'm just going to say it. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm the only guy on the planet that will be critical of Scott Frost. Now, I don't think he inherited the best situation at Nebraska. I don't think that the talent is what everyone thought it was. But he went 5-7 and seven last year. And he lost to some teams that Nebraska should never lose to, okay? They started out 4-1. and one. They go to Ohio State. They get smoked by Ohio State on the last weekend of September. And here are the, here's the rest of their schedule, essentially, okay? So after October 1st, Nebraska won a grand total of two games against Maryland and against Northwestern, not exactly a murderer's row of college football programs there, they get smoked by Minnesota, they lose to Indiana, they lose to Purdue, they lose to Wisconsin, and they lose to Iowa. I understand that Iowa and Wisconsin are both pretty decent teams, but I'm sorry. If you're Nebraska, you got to beat Purdue, you got to beat Indiana, you got to go 7-5 and five and go to a bowl game, and so it'll be interesting to see if they're any better this year. I'm not sold that they are, as they get set to open with Ohio State this coming weekend, and then I believe they have Wisconsin in week two, so not exactly an easy start for Nebraska, but I will say this, as critical as I have been of Scott Frost over the last couple of years, I do want to give him credit. I do believe out of everyone in the Big Ten, he and Jim Harbaugh were by far the most vocal people about playing a season. And so I do give Scott Frost credit because I will say, um, you know, when you know that your team is not going to be very good, when you know that your team has a lot of work to do, it would have been easy to kind of hide in the shadows and say, yeah, I'm just going to sit this one out. I'll let Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh fight for this thing. Scott Frost, maybe more than anybody, was out in front saying, we want to play this season. 
I love the competitive edge from Scott Frost. I love the competitive excitement. And I'm excited. I really do hope Nebraska is better. I'm not sold that they will be this year because they still have the kid Adrian Martinez at quarterback. Do not trust him at all. I think they struggle with Ohio State this weekend, but hopefully they get back to a little bit of respectability because college football is fun when Nebraska's good. Nebraska has some of the best fans in college football. They always sell out that stadium when they're allowed in, and I hope they're good. Uh, and that's really it. <laughs> a couple more notes from the Big Ten before we get to where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. I'll just say a couple quick things. Uh, one, actually, what I'll just do is I'll just go through a couple important things that you need to know. One, Rutgers, you probably forgot. You probably don't even remember who their last coach was. It was a guy named Chris Ash. He stunk. They hired Greg Schiano in the offseason. The Schiano man is back. And I will say, look, I've been very critical. I did not believe that he should be the head coach of Tennessee. We'll get into Jeremy Pruitt in a minute. But I did not believe he should be the head coach of Tennessee. But I do think he can be pretty good at Rutgers, okay? For people who do not know, I went to UConn, and Greg Schiano's really, his successful years at Rutgers kind of happened when I was at UConn. And so I saw that program up close and in person firsthand when I was in school, obviously going to games, covering the teams, whatever. And what I would say is I don't think Greg Schiano is ever going to win like a National Coach of the Year award, but I do think he has really good connections in the New Jersey high schools, and I do think he's going to be about as good as Rutgers gets in this current iteration of the program in the Big Ten. I think he can get them in a normal year to 6-6 six and six into bowl eligibility. So as critical as I was of Greg Schiano, I do think he's the right fit there. Also in the Big Ten East... Michigan State, a new coach, if you remember, Mark D'Antonio waited until his uh, his contract rolled over, so he got paid, then he quit. They went and got Mel Tucker, the head coach at Colorado. It remains to be seen if they will be even decent. They were really bad last year. Finally, in the Big Ten East, Maryland. The only thing you need to know about Maryland, Tua's brother transferred from Alabama to Maryland and is expected to be their starting quarterback. In the Big Ten West, I hit on most of the big teams. I would add Lovey Smith still at Illinois. Shout out to Lovey Smith who got Illinois Bowl eligible last year. Uh, Iowa, I'm just going to throw it out there. Iowa was apparently really good last year, and I just don't remember it. Like I looked them up. They went 10-3, and and their three losses were by five points to Penn State, two points to Wisconsin, and by a touchdown to Michigan. And I don't remember any of it, but apparently they went 10-3. and Apparently they were really good. I do remember them beating USC in a bowl game. I just had no idea that Iowa was that good. Uh, so Iowa is good. And finally, Purdue, obviously one, We did hear that Jeff Brom, their coach, has tested positive for COVID and is actually showing a lot of symptoms, so we hope he's okay. But it'll be interesting with them. They got the skill, skill players. Rondale Moore has opted back into the season. David Bell was phenomenal as their uh, wide receiver last year when Rondell Moore got hurt. And now it's just going to be really interesting to see how they handle things going into, I guess it would be year four of the Jeff Brom era. Really successful the first year, really struggled last year with injuries. We'll see what can happen if they get healthy. Most importantly is the health of Jeff Brom, who, as I said, has tested positive for COVID, and we hope he's okay. All right, before we get out of here, Uh, It is time for America's favorite segment, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. And really what I do here is this, anyone who's listened to the show before knows, it's just kind of a fun way for me to kind of make fun of myself. Yes, I've stolen this bit from my buddy Colin Cowherd. He does it every Monday or Tuesday. I don't know exactly when. 
but it's just a fun way to kind of recap what's happened, talk about what I've gotten right, talk about what I've gotten wrong, and basically admit that despite what that review said on iTunes, while I can be a little annoying and uh, arrogant at times, I'm not afraid to take an L sometimes in life and talk about things that I got wrong. And so with that, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right, Kentucky football. So I had Kentucky fans all mad at me last week because I picked against them. And I said, look, you want to be mad at me because I picked against you. That's fine. But the one thing I will say is I never gave up on this team when they started 2-0. I ranted and raved about the Auburn situation, about how that blown call completely altered that game. I think Kentucky could have won that game. And in hindsight, with the way Auburn's playing, probably should have won that game. If Kentucky plays Auburn in week seven instead of week one, I do think they win. Then you play Ole Miss. You can't get a stop, but nobody gets stops against Ole Miss. I told you you'd be fine, and you were. Back-to-back wins, 10 turnovers forced in the last two games. This defense is playing well, and I'm really excited to see them in the next couple weeks going up against Missouri, going up against some of the other really good teams on that schedule. But Kentucky, I think, is really good right now. Maybe, frankly, the third-best team in the SEC East behind Georgia and Florida. Where Aaron was wrong? Uh, yeah, I was really optimistic about Tennessee this year and really specifically about Jeremy Pruitt. And if you remember the show after Tennessee beat Missouri, I did this big speech. Oh, I've, I haven't seen Tennessee physically dominate a team like that since whenever. Well, yeah, that was a one-week honeymoon that is definitely over. They get smoked by Georgia. They get smoked by Kentucky. And more than ever, they have quarterback issues. And I will give Jeremy Pruitt credit for this. On Monday at his press availability, he did not commit to playing Jarrett Garantano. I, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why he can't develop quarterbacks. But I do think that this team is pretty far along at every other position other than the quarterback. They run the ball well. The offensive line is good. I think the defense has played largely pretty well. The problem is when your offense keeps turning the ball over and giving you a short field, there just isn't much you can do, but it doesn't feel like things are good. Jeremy Pruitt fires his defensive line coach on Sunday night, so it's crazy. I don't know what's going on at Tennessee. Where was right? Um, where was I right on this one? I'm trying to look through my notes here really quick because I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah, the Georgia Bulldogs. I told you. I said, I like them. I think they're really talented. But you can't win football games in 2020 with a walk-on quarterback, Stetson Bennett. I like Stetson Bennett. He's a good story. But I told you last Thursday before the Bama game, I said Bama's going to break it open in the second half because they just got more dudes on the offensive side of the football that can go make plays. In 2020, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. If you can't, if you can't make plays on offense, if you can't put up 27, 30, 31 points to stay competitive with the elite teams, you can't win. Georgia's a really nice team. They will not be elite until they get an elite quarterback and keep them and get the most out of them because they did have Justin Fields on their roster. And I don't know if they screwed it up, but he's no, no longer there and is obviously thriving at Ohio State. Where Aaron was wrong... Uh, <laughs> how about your boy Sam Pittman, the pit boss? So I talked a lot on Monday's show about Arkansas, this incredible start to the season. And I'll be honest, I didn't see it coming because I didn't know what to expect from Sam Pittman. It's not very often you hire an offensive line coach who has never been an FBS head coach in the SEC and that guy succeeds. 
I did believe that he couldn't possibly be worse than Chad Morris. I did say that I thought he nailed both coordinator hires, Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator, uh, Kendall Browse, the offensive coordinator. What I did not think was that he would be this good in having this group of players playing this hard this early. So shout out to Sam Pittman, two and two. They're actually ahead of the defending national champion LSU in the SEC West standings. They should be three and one. They should have beaten Auburn. I could have never imagined that they'd play this hard. Where Aaron was right. So I want to switch gears to the NFL. I want to take you back to the summertime. If you remember, I had a buddy of mine, John Frisella, uh, fantasy sports guru, Legend Seven, Legend Seven Sports on Twitter, I believe his handle is. He's a big Jets fan. He's a good friend of mine, big Jets fan. And we kind of went on this random thing about we were talking fantasy and we talked about the Jets. And he said, what do you think about the Jets? And I said, I don't like this Adam Gaze guy. I said, I just don't trust him. He just is a weird dude. I just think that some guys are more fit to be coordinators than head coaches. If you watch the NFL draft, it looked like he was annoyed as hell by his family. He didn't like having them in the house. Well, yeah, the Jets are the worst team in the NFL, currently 0-6. They get smoked by the Miami Dolphins 24-0. They try to kick a field goal just to get on the board um, and end up missing the field goal and end up getting shut out. And now the question becomes, when does Adam Gase get fired? I don't know when. It's going to be a matter of if not when. And with the Falcons and Giants winning, it's looking increasingly like the Jets get the number one pick. I'll be curious to see if Trevor Lawrence just says, I ain't going to your crappy organization. The Jets haven't had it right in a decade. They haven't had it right really since Joe Namath was there. But I said in the summertime, I said, Adam Gase, New York Jets, I'm just not buying it. Where Aaron was wrong. um, I've said on this show pretty much since the first week of the SEC that there was no one that was going to be able to slow down Ole Miss. Uh, Yeah. How about those Arkansas Razorbacks? I mentioned them a minute ago with Barry Odom, with Sam Pittman, and they were phenomenal. Seven forced turnovers, six interceptions, grounded Ole Miss. I do think Ole Miss will bounce back this weekend against Auburn, but when I sit back and look at the situation at Ole Miss, I just thought this was a team that every game they were either going to win 45-42 or they were going to lose 45-42, but Arkansas proved that with the right game plan, with the right guys, with the right players in the right situations – you can slow down Ole Miss. All right, <laughs> I think that's it for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. want to thank you guys so much for listening. Appreciate all your support. Uh, a couple of housekeeping notes before I get out of here. One, as I've said, next few weeks we will start to ramp up the college basketball coverage because we really only are about a week or two away from the start of college basketball season. Uh, I guess we're about a month away, but I mean, really, the conversations are going to start picking up here over the next few weeks. So if you have any ideas on how to preview the season, if you have any questions about the season, shoot me a note, shoot me a, 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 a email at Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. I'll answer it. I do have a couple guests lined up that I think you'll like coaches, players, etc. Trying to get my boy Rick Barnes back on the show, trying to get my boy Bruce Pearl back on the show. And so we will see what happens. But yeah, that's it. That's all for today's show, Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Please make sure to subscribe if you are not already subscribed. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, and all of the things that you like about this show. Also, make sure to follow on social media 
at Aaron Torres Pod on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. And that is all for today's show. Shout out to my boy Torrent Craig. Shout out to Reggie who hates my voice. I will be back later this week with a guest that I think you'll like. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.